we need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. If we're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. Welcome back to Buffalo What's Next, and this morning we are speaking with a gentleman who uh, took an a unfortunate situation and is using it now to uh, hopefully spread spread some knowledge, spread some truth uh, in the western New York area. I'm here with Ryan Howes. He's the creator of Conscious Environment Creation, uh, along with a, a companion podcast by the name of Say What? History. <laughs> yes. Am I, I'm sorry. I went over the top there, but it, but but I'm only doing branding. I'm, I'm trying to push the branding you've got. And, and when you start each podcast, that, it's... Yeah, that's it. Um, it's a show about black history where we talk about some people that you know, talk about some people that you don't know, and talk about some events so crazy it'll make you say, what? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Ryan, welcome to Buffalo What's Next. Thank you for having as, me. As a fellow media professional you were at one point a radio dj studied yeah studied uh music and now podcaster welcome for this home and home i guess yeah 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 <laughs> ryan uh you are the creator the founder of conscious environment creation uh can you give, give me a, a quick overview of what 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 that is so what conscious environment creation is is a uh, like DEI program that kind of morphed into focusing on K through 12 type education. Uh, so kind of gravitated and, and took from a lot of different pieces that I had, uh, a lot of DEI background and structure and things like that. But how do we get kids to uh, have a better understanding of what diversity is and have a better understanding of being inclusive to their classmates and things like that, understanding um, inequities and how to correct those things. Mm -hmm. And teaching through American history was a really good way to do it. So that's where kind of say what history came from was this idea of presenting black American history in a way that was easily digestible for K through 12, but also presented it without, uh, without sugarcoating it. Mm -hmm. And, um, in a way that was able to, to have DEI features within it. So showing history with its blemishes and all. Yeah, exactly. Um, what I found, um, was that a lot of history being taught right now or the way that um, certain states, counties, cities, whatever, are trying to reframe history is that black history isn't important or it's something that we shouldn't be focused on or teaching, but black history is American history. Leaving that part out, you leave out a huge part <laughs> of, of of history. And what a it's way... It's intertwined and, and it's un, you can't divorce it from... from exactly. And, and what who a way, we are. Right, exactly. And what a way to show 
um, to to show students exactly what I was saying before, the diversity, equity, and inclusion can be shown through telling these stories of people that they've heard of, people that they haven't heard of, doing things that they're not used to seeing. Everybody knows Martin Luther King Jr. and the guy that did the peanuts and and George Rosa Washington Par- Carver. Yeah, and Rosa Parks sitting on a, you know, sitting on a bus. Like it, those, there's those stories, but it honestly, it almost feels like people don't even know those stories anymore. But it's there's so many stories that have happened that are triumphant, or it, it, Black history is much more than just enslavement and pain. And it isn't just people doing the same nine inventions that we hear about every single year either. So there's so much more. We, I mean, we're talking about over, if we're talking from 1619, we're talking over uh, over 500 years, 400, 500 years of history that we're talking about. And that's about. just the tip of the iceberg. Right, exactly. I think in your curriculum plan, you have, um, and I had to look him up because I, I wasn't familiar, but Onesimus. Onesimus, yes. One of the first stories I start with, especially for kids right now, they're, I mean, we're living post-pandemic world, and a lot of these kids are really familiar with, like, what a lockdown is or what masks are or, or you know, what being able to go outside and get sick and get really sick is. So Onesimus came up with a, um, well, introduced to the Boston medical community the idea of inoculation, which was a primitive or Mm. uh, a a little less sophisticated than a vaccine way of treating a virus. And the enslaved had been doing that because it was a practice in West Africa for centuries at that point. So once they realized that smallpox was ravishing the Boston area, the enslaved were doing what they always did and they weren't getting sick. And, and it took a preacher, (laughs) one preacher and uh, one doctor to actually listen to what Onesimus was saying as he was kind of speaking on behalf of the rest of his enslaved people and saying, this is how we're doing it. This is what we do. Um, We, it's called inoculation. This is how, this is how it works. And Boston eventually started to adopt inoculation and their rate of death went from one in 40 or I'm sorry, one in seven down to one in 40. And then eventually this would lead, it would take about four or five years before they would start to get a vaccine because the the concept of having a small amount of the virus or a weaker version of the virus being introduced to your body, your body creating antibodies that's the basis of what a vaccine is. Right. So having that be top of mind and conscious, now doctors are working towards how do we do inoculation but make it safer, make it better, and then eventually they come up with a vaccine. The vaccine leads to us not having to talk about smallpox anymore. <laughs> and a lot of people don't realize that that was a group of black and slave people that taught the medical professionals at the time how to do that or that that was something that was viable they showed them in practice that this is something that's viable so Onesimus is probably one of my favorite stories to start off with because the, when you start to talk about a pandemic the kids know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> they're like little experts at this <laughs> right. point. yeah exactly <laughs> well it's it goes to show you uh my my experience with with uh with the florida school system and their their version of black history uh, oh curriculum uh, and that was that was that was that was what 90s 
Uh, and we'll get to that that <laughs> fun little topic in a little bit first. But it goes to to characterize your 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 program, your curriculum. You're dealing with with figures that aren't commonplace, I guess, quote unquote, commonplace in in the grand curriculum of, of the United States. Right. Um, you have a shirt on for those. It's an auditory medium, but uh, Ryan's got a shirt that has King, Du Bois, X. I can't see. Fred Hampton is the last one. I see. <laughs> Newton and, then, and Hampton. Ah. And so you you seem to delve into into Black history, prickly parts and all. Yes. And and that's how history should be. I feel like. Yeah, there's there's a lot of beautiful, rich history that people kind of ignore. Uh, like even when you're talking about Newton and Hampton, you're talking about the Black Panthers. It's there's this perception of what they were. And and my apologies for mischaracterizing it as prickly, but it's just no, I feel no, like no, no. In the general population, when you mention Black Panther movement and and some of the more the more the more uh, combative parts of, 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 of black history, people start getting, oh, oh, wait, we're talking Black Panthers. Oh, but you're, but, there's... but you're 100% right because there have been throughout our history, even as recent as the late 80s to right now, we have this perception that has been handed down through curriculums and passed down to us through the school system that these characters were bad people or they, they were misguided. Malcolm X had a good idea, but he did it the wrong way. Uh, Fred Hampton had a good idea, but he did it the wrong way. It's always that but they never talk about the black panthers having over 60 social programs that some of them we still use to mm -hmm. this day the black panthers came up with wick um <laughs> like the black panthers came up with snap there's duality and there's there's nuance in every story and i feel like yeah i've said i said it here a number of times but we don't do nuance as a country very well so no, no. It's, it's great that that you're you're pushing this curriculum to to a broader broader uh spectrum of, of western new york now how did how did your 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 calling what was the calling what drove you to create conscious environment creation so we got to travel back a couple of years to when it started kind of appearing in my mind um it, this is I, I feel like a lot of people had the same kind of fed up moment, but it was really George Floyd that mm. got me to a point where it wasn't it wasn't necessarily George Floyd. It was the fallout after, after. George yep. Floyd, because that's when I started to realize that there's a lot of people that don't see the world the same way I do, that don't see oppression the same way I do, that don't understand those things and they either don't want to or they don't know where to begin to understand those. So I started re-educating myself and, and learning, diving into uh, a lot of literature on, you know, um, anti-racism literature, critical race theory, actual critical race theory. <laughs> well, we could talk about that later. a term that's around a lot. And I yes, feel like, yes. <laughs> much like, much like woke. A lot of the people I use it can't define it or, or where it's exactly from. It, it, exactly. And so reading about that and it really just started with friends of mine just teaching them. Like they wanted me to, hey, can you, 
you said something the other day when we were in the car. Can you just write that up? And it started off, Conscious Environment started off as very long, like almost blog posts on Facebook. <laughs> um, and then it... It's the place more... where all uh, intellectual discourse takes exactly. place nowadays. Then it morphed into to videos online doing short form kind of video things to, to express and ex- explain things to people because I felt like I could say it in two minutes faster than I could type it for half an hour. Um, and then it became more and more formal. And then eventually we get to me wanting to explain this through stories of history. So that's where say what history kind of got, kind of got born out of, um, wait, what got born? (laughs) The say what history. (laughs) It, It got, uh, yeah, it got, it got born out of that because really, it, it's this is a fun story. It was me coming down stairs after reading in my office for for a while and coming down and going to my wife and go, "You'll never believe this." And then I tell her something that I just read that I that even I was like, I didn't know that this had happened in the United States. I didn't know that we did this. I didn't know that this court case existed, whatever. And then my wife was sitting at the tape at the at the dining room table. She's sitting there, and I go, you'll never believe this. And I tell her, and this is probably the 10th day in a row that I had come downstairs and said something like this. And she goes, what? No way. I can't believe that. And I and I was like, yeah, like, that's that's how, that's what I feel like whenever I read this history. And that's where Say What History came from, was it was history that, as I was reading it, I was like, well, why, how have I never learned this before? Why didn't I know this? Why aren't we teaching it like this? Sure, it's blemishy or it doesn't make early United States, early America look good at all, but it's what happened. Mm-hmm. So why why don't we teach these things? And and there's a lot of things that overcame. There, I, I think if you understand where we were, you can see where we're going and you can see you you can see the distance that we've made with with things like that. So yeah, it started off in 2020 trying to do like kind of bloggy post things and as I learned I wanted to just share this information more and it developed into a curriculum that could be I wanted to just have like an easy package to to hand a school or hand a teacher that um felt like they they weren't sure where what what to do or where to start uh i and that's i don't think it's anybody's fault per se but i think there are a lot of teachers that get nervous um teachers have been under fire since since 2020 i think a lot of teachers don't want to rock the boat they don't you know they they educators already are are in a tough place where they're not getting paid enough or they're not getting enough respect sometimes that they they freedom to operate right and uh it's just getting worse uh it feels like on a national uh, level and also i hate to say it sometimes in a local sense right Uh, one of the the things that that kind of if correct me if i'm wrong that drove you to create a formalized structure curriculum structure and, and and a lesson plan was that you were seeing that this 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 curriculum wasn't being taught in in your children's schools. Yeah, so it 
it happened honestly the just this past February, and this is what made me be like I have to write this down and have it be something that is actually packaged and I can just give here. Mm-hmm. This is what you should do. Um, because I'm sitting at the dining room table. Dining room tables making a lot of appearances <laughs> in this interview. Uh, and the missus. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, kid comes home. They sit down. Hey, hey, you know, what's going on at school? It's middle, you know, first couple days of February. You know, what do you, what do you learn in school? Oh, we learn this. Oh, we learn that. And their their dad does a show online that their friends are are watching. They've come across it on TikTok or Instagram, and they're like, "Hey, your your dad's famous. I saw him on TV. <laughs> I saw him on my phone." Um, and I'm like, "Yeah, your your father does a history show. Uh, does a Black history show. So honestly, I'm very curious. What are you learning in school? Because mm-hmm. I'm curious how they're presenting this information. It's been years since I was in sixth grade, you know, how are they presenting this information now? And then to my surprise and dismay, my kid goes, we're not talking about black history. Well, my teachers haven't said anything about it yet. And I'm like, it's, it's like the sixth. Like, what do you, they haven't said the Turn words the on the calendar. Oh, we haven't even... Yeah. Hold on. Wait a second. Maybe, maybe I'm misunderstanding. I'm like, they didn't, they haven't done something yet or they haven't told you anything at all and they were like no they haven't said we asked are they going to do anything for black history month and the teacher almost ignored us at that point they just they didn't really respond they just kind of shrugged and said oh well we're working on this we're working on that i'm like you guys took the time to have a Valentine's Day, it, like we, I just signed a permission slip so you can have a Valentine's Day party next week. They don't have the time to even say the words. And my wife asked, "Have they said the words Black History Month out loud? Has your teacher said that? Was it on the board when you walked in?" No. Okay, we'll give them some. T- we'll give them a day or two. Right. You know, maybe maybe it'll come up. Still nothing by the end of the week. Okay, so I'll send an email. I sent an email to the to the teachers. The teachers seemed interested in. I even offered my services f- free pro bono. I'll come in. I'll teach the the kids because again, you know, if it's something that you aren't comfortable teaching or you feel like it's wrong or you feel like it's bad or there's some sort of vice or something. I understand where a teacher could be coming from where they feel uncomfortable trying to teach something like that where they're not really sure what how to teach it, one. And two, they don't want angry parent calls. Right. So I'll, I'll take the brunt. Hey, yeah. you don't have me in. And then it was hoop after hoop after hoop. I, you have to talk to the principal, then the superintendent, then back to the principal, and then back to the teachers, and then back to the principal. And maybe, Meanwhile, you're doing something that, for the most part, is a observed and standard throughout the country. Like, you and I went to school at a time, probably, where, where it was Black History Month. If, if you're not going to touch the, 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 the vastness of, of, of history or, or black history right. throughout the year... You're at least going to try to to hit some marks on on February, 
but you weren't seeing any of this. It, like none of it. And that was one of the things that I wrote in in my angry emails eventually because we eventually get to March 3rd and I mm. hadn't heard anything from them and now the month is over. And I said, it doesn't make any sense to me that in an academic setting, a, a nationally recognized academic event isn't being talked about in the schools. And this isn't... Because I think a lot of people have this misconception about Black History Month is like it's just this thing that people want to do or or it's l- more informal than it really is. Black History Month has been recognized by every single president yeah. since the 1920s. This is a thing that we do. Right. And for 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 the better part of eighty years, I didn't know it went uh, that far almost a hundred years. Yeah. yeah, ever since it, I've been a school age attending student, like it was part of it. Everybody, every kid right now, huge amount. Every kid's parents right now. So all 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 your your federal government has been recognizing this event. This is something that America does and it is absurd to me that a education institution and a center of academic learning just ignores this piece because what they don't have time in their curriculum but again to point out you guys had time for a valentine's day party you had time for a saint patrick's day party you had time for a halloween party you had time Boxing Day, right, right. They have they they I, they they make they can make time. There is there right. is flexibility. You're the one in charge of the curriculum, right? You can you can move stuff around, right? Uh, Ryan, I hope that there's there's a good end result in this. Did, did, did they was there a make good? Was there sorta? <laughs> <laughs> so I was able to uh, after being very embarrassed, parents out there. Um, uh, e- e- email everyone if you're going to email people email everybody mm-hmm. email the superintendent email their their secretary staff um, email the the school board email everybody and let them know that you're that you're upset with the way that your kids are learning or if they're not learning something um, and I did that and the principal called me uh, and he was very apologetic. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed this. This, you know, this is that and the third. Uh, very fluff. And eventually, they asked me to come in. I was able to give a about 25 minute lecture to the students, and they loved it. They made time. They made 25 minutes of time. They, they made 25 minutes of hey. time. And then they asked me if I could come in again. Um, just this past uh, week, the beginning of June, they asked me if I could come in. Um, and and bring this assembly to the entire sixth grade class. Uh, it's about two hundred fifty kids. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, yeah, absolutely. And I was scheduled to be there and speak at nine thirty at, uh, and I was going to get there at nine. I was scheduled to speak at eight or at nine thirty. At eight thirty, they called me and canceled the day of. Wow. And I again had to write a very <laughs> upset email. The day because of cancellation. Those are always. minutes before I was leaving the house. And let it be known, I I want to thank you for your time because you are newly, not not new uh, to to parenthood, but you had a new child uh, that just arrived. Yeah, I yeah I have so, a I have a newborn. I'm 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 father ju- three. Yes, father three juggling juggling <laughs> life right now. It's um, an understatement. As and yeah, I mean making time. Um, it, it you know carving out time, creating 
um, making sure that all of these the the New York State standards are tied in correctly. The you know giving teachers something that they can say you know my kids were learning this during this time, so it wasn't even wasted time. Mm-hmm. These were going to be able to meet New York State standards for social studies as well. Um, there were some English language standards that that you could you could squint at and say that they fall underneath the presentation, but more social studies than not. And creating a presentation, practicing it just there was much more time involved in crafting this that a uh, you know a thirty minute. A window of oops, right. sorry, we we right. double booked our our bad. I've been looking at one of the documents that you you have for the curriculum, and it's I'm sure this is just a skeleton outline, but I mean we're covering everything from uh, Black history heroes and leadership, science contributions, innovation. You delve into women's rights, empowerment, people like Sojourner Truth, Shirley Chisholm. Is have have you had any success? Now, in, in presenting the, the curriculum or the lessons, assemblies anywhere? So there are, as we entered the end of the year, it's a lot of, the schools are trying to reformat their programs for and get the programming for next year. And I'm starting to learn a lot about how they, they, <laughs> they do that. And it's a lot of, there's so much red tape. With with schools, um, but yeah, I've I've talked to a couple of different districts that um, are receptive. At yeah, least. yeah, they were they were very receptive, um, and and honestly, pretty happy to to hear about something like this that can move around. I think that's the the biggest sort of selling point to the schools so far is that it is an assembly. Um, it isn't something that they have to that the teachers themselves have to be super familiar with or they don't have to to learn hundreds of years of history that that they weren't planning on right. in order to teach something. Um, and it's something that's fun, it's big, it's loud, there's music, it's, uh, it's, it isn't just a boring lecture. Well, you you uh, come from the world of music, so you have to incorporate music into there, I assume. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be absolutely. a component. Um, <laughs> I feel like you get next next up for you is, is getting a master's in, in education because you're practically doing the, the, the teaching work. Uh, yeah, I actually, uh, a couple friends of mine that are educators, um, and they, I asked them, hey, do you mind looking at this thing? I, I haven't done this before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm, uh, I have a degree in sociology. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't, I, and I respect respect teachers love them they do a lot of hard work they do a lot of great work and so i'm also reading through what new york state wants us to say and how we should say it and what grades that it's applicable to and all this and i'm writing up this thing and i'm like hey can you take a look at this this is what i came up with and a lot of the the teachers that i sent it to they're like this is great <laughs> you've never done this before and i was like nope that first time See, awesome <laughs> that's that's refreshing to hear because i would say to be to be honest like i get why there would be some some hoops and hurdles uh if we if if we allowed every parent to just provide a, a curriculum it uh, that could get us in a in an interesting place it's kind of what's happening right now you know, oh, in boy, a sense yes yes but as long as it's 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 it hits those marks it hits the the standards of, of new york state it's something that in this case i think we can all agree on is 
a, a vital piece of, of, of education that needs to be taught. Yes. And if it's not being addressed, then there's a problem there. I'm speaking with Ryan House, creator and, and founder of Conscious Environment Creation. I would like to know, I, I expressed my limited exposure in the Florida school system. And once again, we are going to get to that one. Mm-hmm. But while growing up, Ryan, how was your experience with Black History Curriculum? Was that something that was at least evident growing up in, in grade school, grade, middle school, high school? How was that? It's funny because I I feel like I keep having this conversation like with my wife. I even asked my 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 brothers. I asked my brother in laws. I'm I'm like, we learned Black History, right? Like, it 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 made me feel like very kind of like racially gaslit, just kind of crazy. Like, did we never learn this and I'm making it up or have I learned too much and I'm just, <laughs> and I'm just pretending that I've known it for years or, but it's like, no, I remember doing projects. I remember yeah. cutting, cutting Martin Luther King Jr. out of construction paper and writing like a couple sentences. I remember my brother dressing in a black suit and doing part of the, I have a dream speech at school. I remember school assemblies being about, they had one for black history. So it isn't, it isn't strange to 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 do i i had what i felt like i i can't honestly say like super robust but they they did something they tried at least they they talked about black history and it almost feels like now is less conversation about it than it was when we were kids growing up i have my my hypothesis as to why and i feel like you <laughs> it might coincide with yours as well but uh, as I'm, I think I mentioned prior, is that teachers are under intense scrutiny and and everything is being looked at with a fine-tooth comb or with a, with a fine magnifying glass. Uh, and it's largely in part, I'd have to say, by what's going on in Florida. We have a governor with presidential aspirations. And once again, that, 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 that false moniker, anti-CRT curriculum. Right. Uh, or movement, rather. Uh, we had I, one of my colleagues mentioned that there was a, a candidate in the Springville school board election that was very much about this anti LGBTQ plus. That's another one that yeah. it's a hot button platform issue for for some in this country. And what do you think about that growing momentum? I don't want to give it more fire, but it's very much a thing. It's very much of movement that that's happening. And, and, and I feel like that goes hand in hand with what we're talking about here. Yeah. I mean, there's groups like moms for Liberty that mm-hmm. were just recently outlined by um, the ADL for, mm-hmm. for being an extremist group. Um, moms for Liberty. Moms for Liberty. That's, uh, that's uh, the name it, that they go with, but right. very much a. Yeah. And they, rousing. Right, right. Group. Just a, a, a group that that has been a, a attacking academia for, uh, it, but really kind of just picking up steam in the last couple of years. But there's tons of groups that are have very benign sounding names, and then you look into what they try to do. And I know we all saw the videos with the last uh, school board elections because they kind of come in groups with parts of the country. Mm-hmm. We all saw the videos of like parents running in and screaming at these teachers uh, at school board elections and things like that. And 
even myself, I ran for school board and one of the people that was running, uh, and this is up in Niagara County, one of the people that was running was saying that uh, he was against diversity. He was against uh, DEI. He was against, um, what did he call it? Multiculturalism. He was mm. saying that he was against multiculturalism, which I don't see color. Right. Sort of, but he was also like very loudly against diversity. He said that he, there was nothing wrong with being a white supremacist. Um, oh. Yeah. So it's 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 yeah. out there. Yeah, it's, it's very it, much it, out there and out in our backyard. Yeah, it's right. It's out there, and these people aren't. Um, so fringe as you would think, and I, I think a lot of people don't pay too much attention to it because it feels like it feels like this is this can't be real. <laughs> like right. like like people don't really think like this, but but they 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 certainly do. Um, I it, especially with like the anti CRT thing and and all that. That's CRT critical race theory is a upper graduate law program mm-hmm. that was coined at Harvard uh, Law School uh, back in the late 70s. I think I've heard of that place. Harvard. Yeah. Har- Har- Harvard. Harvard. Yes. <laughs> and that's what it was for. It was supposed to be a critical analysis because the word critical in that sense is different. That It's not critical as in like important. It's just a intense analysis of something. The it's it's a legal term. The way that law students would use the word critical is how they're using it. Not it's super important and we have to stop everything right now. It's that no, we're going to take a critical eye, critical thinking. It's it's that same same thing. So critical race theory is the looking at the way that laws are built in this country that have racist origins or white supremacist origins that are holdovers or leftovers and it's part of the framework that we've built up uh, for for the rest of the country. That's what critical race theory <laughs> actually is. Hear that people. That's what it is. It's that's not... what it is. If you're if you're if your 14 year old is not in their third year at Harvard Business School or <laughs> like their, Harvard Law School. In their law degree, in their Juris Doctorate. You're right. They're not learning CRT. They're not learning critical race theory. The thing that, that Moms for Liberty and groups like that are arguing against is essentially programs like mine. They're arguing against comprehensive American history. And that's something that I like to hit home a lot. It's how I end every single presentation. Black history is American history. Mm-hmm. The separation of the two is inherently racist but it's also does a detriment to your kids like they're just not learning stuff because it gives you the willies like it's it's interwoven in american history and many other countries have have similar backgrounds because that's how history is messy history is ugly it's right. been that way since since we we showed up here however we showed up who knows i'm not even gonna touch that one right. uh, but i'm a huge fan and, and student of, of history because it's it's the old adage if you don't know your history you're doomed to repeat it and mm-hmm. i'd like to think that we're kind of a, a pendulum swinging back and forth we ebb and flow we go into into moments like the civil rights movement of the 60s but then we, we it, it swings back to something like what we have 
today were where there's forces pushing back, pushing us backwards, I feel like, trying to erase said history. Exactly. And it's just if we don't if we don't know these things, if our students don't know the mistakes and, and, and mishaps of society, of humanity, then how will they learn not to have, or repeat those same issues i i have something for this for this saying that just recently happened to us and i've been making a lot of videos talking about it but not to not to jump into your 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 home state too fast but <laughs> no please do it we're, we're we we're bring upon ourselves but um, this is now my home state so yeah let's yeah, talk, yeah let's yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, florida yeah, yeah yeah let's talk about florida um uh, speaking of this idea of if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. I remember telling people like when they were doing that kind of migrant caravan mm-hmm. thing where they were sending when people they were from, or <laughs> still right, are. <laughs> right. They were sending people from Florida to Cape Cod and Martha's Vineyard mm-hmm. and to, to send them up there. And Florida was paying for the people the from Texas, Texas to go. Mm-hmm. And, it, it was this whole thing, and they were lying to these these migrants that were just coming here to work. And, and these people had actual appointments. They had, they were trying to get their green cards, their visas, their citizenship, and, not, and do things the right way. And they were missing appointments because of this whole fiasco where they lied mm-hmm. and put them on a bus or put them on a plane and said, hey, you're going here. And it was just not the right place. They they weren't going to their appointment. They went a thousand miles away. People asking me like, you know, oh, did you did you hear about that? Have you, what do you what is your opinion of that? And I would say, oh yeah, they're doing the reverse freedom rides again. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were like, what do you mean the reverse freedom rides? And I was like, you you guys don't know that in the '60s they did the same thing to black people. They literally the exact same almost. Down to where they drop them off, the exact same formula. I, I actually, I think it's uh, there's a um, a, a very very well detailed documented uh, NPR story that talks about the reverse freedom rides. But what they, they they did the same thing in, I believe it was Texas and Alabama and Florida. What they would do is they would they would gather these uh, low-income black people and they would tell them that they were going to put like move them to cities where black people had been uh, moving during like the Great Migration. So they told them that they were going to send them to Chicago or Buffalo or, or kind of cities that crossed that. But where they actually sent them was outside of JFK's house in Cape Cod. Or <laughs> for for no particular reason, um, other than to prove the point that people up north wouldn't want to be deal around them or deal with them or whatever. And the exact same thing happened then that happened now where the people there were pissed and annoyed, but they were like... the. These folks didn't have anything to do with it. We're, we're not happy about this, but because you did this, because insert state governor decided to send these people here with no resources, and now we have to do this. Um, See, they don't want you learning about these things in school because they don't want you to expose their playbook. They're rehashing <laughs> old plays. What are we doing here? I'm here with Ryan Howes. He's the creator of Conscious Environment Creation, also a podcast. And in the podcast, you, you touch on a lot of the, the figures, the historical figures that you have also 
baked into the curriculum, the say what history curriculum. And I have to ask you, out of all the, the whole breadth of, of black history and American history, mm-hmm. because it is our history, who's your who's your standout? Who's your favorite historical figure? Boy, one of my favorites. They should make a movie about about this man. I I I want this movie. If we're going to keep making movies from the time of enslavement, we need to make a movie. We about have a writer Ro- strike, so be careful. Oh. Hollywood might take this and run with it. Oh no! <laughs> make make uh, Chat GPT write the script for you. Oh, but what, but who is this this person? Uh, Robert Smalls. Um, Robert Smalls is one of a. a he he kind of kicks off a, the the first um, presentation that I do out of the out of the four uh, categories that we talked about, um, but he was an amazing he, he he was an enslaved man, and he worked on a ship uh, called the Planter in North Carolina, and what he would <laughs> what he did was he learned everything that he possibly could about uh, about driving uh that ship piloting that ship and south carolina excuse me Mm -hmm. and so what he would do is every single night the white officers on the ship would go ashore in charleston and sleep off the boat and he would learn everything that he possibly could about piloting that ship but also with the other enslaved people including his family that were on the ship they devised a plan. So eventually they got to a point where they were going to steal the ship and bring it to the Union. They did, <laughs> passing all of these different check marks. But one of the more interesting things about it was because it was a Confederate. So this is smack dab in the middle. This is 1963. Or I'm sorry, 1863. Mm-hmm. This is like right in the middle of the Civil War. Um so they're taking a Confederate ship to the Union, and they have to pass all these checkpoints. They have to give hand signals and do different things in order to get past these checkpoints and make it to the Union. They aren't positive if the Union is going to even accept them because they're driving a Confederate ship. They're like, hopefully we just don't get blown up. <laughs> but the the one thing that they did, speaking of blowing up the ship, is that they rigged the the the, the storage of the ship with the gunpowder in uh, like an array that would have caused an explosion had they lit one side of it. So they rigged it with explosives. And basically the idea was if the Confederates caught them, they were going to let them board and then blow Blow up the the ship. Blow up the whole thing. Smithereens. Yeah. Luckily that didn't happen. They were caught by the union and the, the union generals at the time and officers started sending stuff back to D.C. Like, hey, you'll never believe what <laughs> 11 enslaved people did. They brought us this whole uh, Confederate supply ship. So it's, so Charleston is, is lacking a lot of supplies right now. Plus, they don't have the ability to even go get more because they took their ship. And the president at the time, Abraham Lincoln, it's you probably heard of him. <laughs> a few times, yeah. Yeah. He he came up with an idea from this story. And there was there was a few other stories. This isn't the 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 only one. There was a few other stories that that this kind of thing happened, but this was one of the kind of last draw stories where he started putting pen to paper on this idea that he was going to free all of the enslaved in the southern states. 
his point was if he told all of the enslaved that they were free and all they had to do was come to the union lines and they would accept them he was hoping that every enslaved person would revolt at the same time and this would just decimate the confederate um the confederate forces because there were enslaved that were that were forced into fighting with the mm-hmm. with the confederacy and he, on the back of a train, gave the Emancipation Proclamation. and it Heard about came, that. Yeah, yeah. Know that one. And it came from, from hearing about this story about Robert Smalls. And Robert Smalls, after the, uh, the end of the Civil War, would go on to be a uh, state senator. He would be a state legislator. And then he would be um, a, a, a federal uh, senator, I believe. I believe federal... He, he he went to Congress. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember which side of the, uh, of the aisle that he went on. But he was one of the, the first black legislators that we had for, and he represented South Carolina. He represented a southern From state. stealing boats in Charleston, South Carolina, to a legislator in Washington, D.C. Right. Amazing. Making the As laws. I'm putting on my, 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 my Hollywood producer's hat, and I'm greenlighting it. I like it. <laughs> Love it. Let's do it. It's like... It's it's like Amistad meets Ocean's Eleven a little bit. Let's yeah, do it's it. it's it's such a it's such a cool like f- interesting spy story. History has so many of those that that go unheard or, or untold enough. Right. And uh, what it what it seems to me that I, I one one piece of literature I always go to is Howard Zinn's uh, People's History of the United States. It's yes. told by by the the letters and 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 spoken words of. Or documented words of, of of American citizens and American participants, if you will. Yeah. And I knew about Robert Smalls because we had a group that that went down there to South Carolina to Charleston awesome. and covered a lot of that. But those are stories that they don't get taught in your quote unquote Black History Month curriculum. Right. And in some cases, like we're seeing with our conversation today, not being nowhere near <laughs> Robert Smalls. Right. Uh, nowhere near. Uh, Sojourner Truth, nowhere near uh, the the I guess the advanced uh, uh, figures, but right. Yeah. Um, no, I I appreciate you sharing that one because that that's a that's a that's a great story. Also, Ryan, uh, I would be remiss not not talking about uh, another big event here in our, in our city of Buffalo, the top May Fourteenth racist shooting, okay. and we had direct relation to Catherine Massey. Yeah, Cat. Yeah, Cat was uh, was my cousin. Um, yeah, I, I remember that day because I was at my grandmother's house, uh, and my grandmother was it was her ninetieth birthday party, wow. and I we got we kept getting bits and pieces because I talk about report on do stuff with the news with uh, with my social medias and things mm-hmm. like that so I'm always kind of a little in tune to what's happening like in the news and I saw that there was a shooting in Buffalo that was a big enough deal that it took over the news networks but I didn't read into what it was and then as the night like progressed I kept reading more and more about what was actually happening at the time because because Buffalo wasn't positive what was happening at, at at the time. First, it was it was a shooting. Then it was it, then it was a mass shooting. Then it was uh, then 
it, like the 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 gunman was racist. He had a manifesto. All of this stuff like appeared yeah, over the day. Through. We we were all here. <laughs> um, but I was yeah I was in um, talking to my grandmother, and oh, it's gonna make me tear up. Uh, she she just looked at me and I was telling her what was happening. And she just sat there. She's looking at me. <laughs> And she just goes, I thought, I thought we fought this so Yao didn't have to. And I was like, I don't know, Grandma. <laughs> I, I don't know. And she goes, well, you got to do something about it. And then she walked out of the room. And I don't think she meant it like this, like... I think she was kind of being flippant and mm-hmm. being sarcastic about it. But I took that to heart and I wanted to do something about it. It just I just this is the only way I knew how was to through education, through teaching people. The that's I feel like education is the best way to change the the next generation. Mm-hmm. Whenever we learn about great catastrophes that have happened throughout history, the first things that happen is they cut off education. They they burn books. They they change schools. They they segregate schools. They do all kinds of stuff to get to get the masses not to be able to one have all the same information and two join together to push back against whatever the forces that be. And that's where I felt like I got to get to the kids. Education is power. Um, yeah. In my, my past, it's my parents fled from Cuba and in Cuba there were the, the communist regime there was, was uh, changing curriculums, hiding books, getting rid of, Certain authors pu- right. pu- pushing their authors. The work of Che Guevara had was was now part of school curriculum. Uh, right. That's that's you're you're hitting on something here that's that's a universal truth. But then sometimes we forget about it. Is that <laughs> exactly. when you when you start when you start tweaking and and controlling what's being taught and 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 for 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 the the anti CRT ers I guess uh, right. that that claim indoctrination on on all fronts, kind of doing the same thing in a way yeah, exactly. by omitting, omitting important events and, and knowledge that needs to be known and, and at least be aware of it. Um, Ryan, thank you for, for, for sharing that, that truly personal moment. And I, I wanted to if also give you a moment to, to, to speak on, on the memory of Catherine, anything that, 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 that we need to know about her. I, I, I feel like if you're if you're in in Buffalo on the east side, you know who Catherine Massey is. She was a juggernaut. She just she fought for her community. She helped revitalize the fruit belt, and, and she she was a writer. She she just never stopped challenging things and pushing. And I've taken that to to heart. It was. Um, it was like the next day that we learned that she had passed in um, in the shooting, and 
we all knew people that that lived right. over there. We were calling people all night, but we were calling Cat's sister to try to get up. We were calling Cat, and we were calling Cat's sister to try to get a hold of her, and nobody could for for a while. So, and I remember my mother kind of thought the worst a little bit, but she didn't want to say it. And she called me the next morning. She goes, "I just got a got the call back," and yeah, Cat Cat was there. So, funeral services are, <laughs> are 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 soon. We'll 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 make it there. And but I think her legacy lives on in new activist groups, different groups mm-hmm. that have taken this kind of like this intellectual take, <laughs> not taking no for an answer kind of way like cat was a wordsmith like she didn't like she would make you feel amazing but be correcting you the whole the <laughs> whole time and at the end of it you thanked her yeah and that's just it, it it's it's just a way that 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 she she had about her and and i i think that that's an important thing to to keep with the the new activists or the the new people trying to to change things as as we can, we just have to keep pushing and just keep going. There'll be people will try to stop us all the time, but we have to just keep going. Ryan, I I I don't want to be, sound heavy handed, but I think uh, and or speak for for her, but I I can I would like to say that I think that she would she would be proud of the work that you're doing. Your intentions are in the right place, I feel like. And when you're helping out the breed of tomorrow, the, 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 the crop of tomorrow, our future, you're doing stuff to hopefully get their ears, get their minds, and get those minds thinking about thinking the right way. Right. Um, Ryan, if there's anything, is there any way that if you want to get in, in contact with you, if we want to help promote or... or any any initiatives that are coming up with uh, conscious environment creation or or the say what podcast? Um, yeah, consciousenvironmentcreation.com is a quick way to see all of the stuff that we were that we were just talking about. It explains the the say what history program and the curriculum there. Um, it's what I'm trying to do now is is honestly get in touch with these schools and get to decision makers like we kind of joked about earlier is there's a lot of red tape and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's hard to break through to get you know get these programs through through the door and get someone to actually listen to you about this so parents teachers anybody out there that's like my school could benefit from this if you think that your kids could benefit from it um tell tell your schools fight for it and and bring me along let me know come tell me uh and and i i will make a point to to keep your school on on the list i've i've sent out uh information packets to a bunch of the schools in the western new york area um but some some folks on the on the inside could could really really help push things along and and get this program where it needs to be heard Keep on with your version of indoctrination because I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, Ryan Howes, creator, Conscious Environment Creation, and the Say What podcast. Uh, 
Thank you so much for joining us on Buffalo What's Next. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been Buffalo What's Next on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station.